0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christ Church Forward. To find out more, visit ForwardChurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: This morning's reading is taken from Mark chapter 14, can be found on page 1022 in the Pew Bibles, uh, verses 66 to 72 of Mark chapter 14. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entrance. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter... Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the cock crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. This is the word of the Lord.
0: let's remain standing I'll pray for us our Lord and God we sung of the mercy and grace that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ the forgiven uh, the 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 sin that is forgiven in Christ Uh, we thank you so much for that and we pray that as we see more of who we are today we'd be more amazed at that mercy and grace and forgiveness and the result would be lives more committed to serving you in Jesus name amen please sit Let me add my uh, welcome to that of Andy's earlier in the service. It's uh, great to have you here. And I'd like to encourage you to do two things. One would be to uh, dig out the sermon outline uh, that uh, you'll have had tucked inside um, the bundle on the way in. I think you'll find that helpful. Uh, There's a couple of quotes there. Even if you don't particularly want to take notes, you'll be able to see the quotes. And um, the other thing to do, more importantly, uh, would be to turn in your Bibles to uh, page 1022 so that you can see... Uh, where I'm going page 1022 Mark chapter 14 verses 66 uh, to 72 these are the uh, verses that we've come up to as we're working through this section of Mark's gospel heading into Easter Uh, a question for you do do you know when the death penalty was abolished in Britain anybody know when that was anybody take their mind back these people these people say they do they were here in the first service 66 somebody is saying what do you reckon Ninety-eight. Ah, oh, very interesting. Well, uh, yeah, let, let, me, uh, let me fill it in rather than just have a big ramble for the rest of the uh, The murder, the Abolition of Death Penalty Act 1965 abolished the death penalty for murder in Great Britain. And that act replaced the penalty of death with a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment. But it wasn't actually until 1998, uh, the 31st of July 1998 to be precise, that the death penalty was finally abolished in Britain. On that day... 31st of July 1998, the Criminal Justice Bill removed high treason and piracy with violence as capital crimes effecti- effectively ending uh, capital punishment in Britain. So it wasn't until 15 years ago uh, that that was ended. You could still, 15 years ago, be sentenced to death for high treason. I reckon that tells us a lot about high treason. It considered to be uh, that serious in law. Now, it is high treason that is the issue before us this morning as we turn uh, to Mark uh, chapter 14. High treason being the act of a traitor against the sovereign. Uh, High treason, of course, against the sovereign, the Lord Almighty, is the most serious crime in the universe and uh, really should end in the death penalty. And it is that crime that forms the backdrop to Mark chapter 14, Uh, You'll remember Judas has committed high treason against Jesus, betraying him to the authorities. The religious establishment are guilty of high treason against Jesus as they put him on trial and then condemned him to death. But here's the surprise this morning, and I think this is the new thought for me as I've looked at this passage over these last few weeks. As we come to the end of Mark chapter 14, we discover that Peter is on trial too. In verses 53 to 65, we see the trial of Jesus unfolding. We saw that last week. But uh, the way that Mark has written his gospel tells us that Jesus was not the only one on trial. Peter was on trial at the same time. Now, you'll see on the handout how the St. Helens Bishopsgate read Mark Learn notes explain it, now, the quote there. By deliberately interleaving Jesus's trial before the Sanhedrin with the story of Peter's denial... Mark shows that Peter is on trial too. And I've put on the handout a helpful table that I've uh, taken from the Read, Mark, Learn uh, manual. Uh, A comparison between Jesus' trial and the events that surround Peter, which show us that Mark wants us to see that Peter is on trial. Not that it takes a brilliant legal mind to see that Peter is found to be guilty and guilty of high treason, guilty of denying Jesus, of actually disowning Jesus, dissociating himself from Jesus. That's the devastating climax of this particular passage. Look at verse 71. Peter began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, that is the crowd around them, I don't know this man you're talking about. They are disastrous words. As Peter calls down curses on himself, we're hearing the final words of a shattering spiritual collapse. When someone denies Jesus, it is always a a terrible thing. If you've been around Christian things for a while, you'll no doubt know of sad examples of fairly high-profile Christian ministers who have given up following Jesus. I can think of a few in the last couple of decades But whenever I think of these things, I don't so much think of those high-profile ones. I think of one particular man I was at theological college with. He was a very gifted and fairly charismatic fellow in his his character. Uh, But he failed morally and then publicly renounced his allegiance to Christ. It was heartbreaking to watch it unfold. That's what happens here with Peter. This is a very public denial of being a Christian. But be sure, this hasn't come out of the blue and from nowhere. Rarely is that the case, if ever. Rarely do we make such momentous and calamitous decisions on the spur of the moment. In the past 12 months, I've heard of too many adulterous affairs. Even one is too many, but I've heard of a number of men, and they have, the ones I've heard, always been men, of Christian men cheating on their wives. And you know, the the affair never comes out of the blue. For sure, it's out of the blue for the poor wife when she hears the devastating news. But as I've talked to men involved, it turns out they've made a series of decisions, taking little steps over the months where they've begun to move from faithfulness to their wife to the adultery. They've had fantasies in their minds and allowed themselves to dwell on those fantasies long before any physical adultery happens they've manufactured ways to find a time with the other woman they've decided to go to the pub with a group from work even though they never do that because she'd been there now look you don't need all the details I don't want to tell you all the sordid details you know what I'm saying adultery doesn't happen overnight and completely out of the blue there are a number of small steps that lead to it Now, Peter's denial is no different. Leading up to his, if I may put it this way, spiritual adultery, there are a series of failures, of small steps that led to this point. A series of failures that actually began with an enthusiastic promise of total commitment, an enthusiasm which almost seems to cover over and mask our first point. The first point on the handout being failure to believe God's word. Verses 14, uh, sorry, chapter 14, verses 27 to 31. Come back with me to chapter 14 and verse 27 and see this first failure unfolding. These are the words of Jesus to his disciples. Verse 27, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. And then look at Peter's response, verse 29, Even if all fall away, I will not. And so Jesus answered, verse 30, I tell you the truth, today, yes, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. Now, all the others said it, but it was Peter who really spoke up. He was always speaking up. Of all the disciples, you'd always get a good quote out of Peter. And at one level, you have to admire his enthusiasm, his drive, his commitment. I'll never fall away. I'll die for you, Jesus. I can think of times, and I guess any real Christian can, I can think of times when I've been ready to do anything for Jesus, go anywhere for him, make any sacrifice. Times when I've been ready to give my life up for him. That's Peter here. You don't want to quash that kind of enthusiasm, but you see the mistake. Peter is talking to Jesus, the eternal son of God, and Jesus has just said in verse 27, you will all fall away. So Peter's words might look impressive and committed and and spiritually fervent, but let's be sure there is nothing spiritual about disagreeing with Jesus. There's nothing spiritual about it and it's not impressive to deny God's word, but that's what Peter does here. Jesus has quoted and explained the Old Testament scriptures in verse 27 and Peter thinks he knows differently and better. So that was his first mistake, his first failure and his first step towards denial, failure to believe God's word. His second failure comes in the Garden of Gethsemane. We saw it a couple of weeks later and I've called this one on the handout there, Failure to pray. Again, Peter is right there. Look at verse uh, 33. He, Jesus, took Peter, James, and John along with him. Uh, We saw it three weeks ago as, uh, as Jesus told Peter, James, and John to pray each time they fell asleep. Three times Jesus told them to watch and pray, and on every occasion when Jesus went back to them, he found them completely out for the count, snoring their heads off. Now, again, that's me all over, not the snoring bit. But in my best moments, ready to take on the world, telling myself I'd die for Jesus, and then in no time at all, prayer less. Yeah, even falling asleep while I'm praying. Thomas Akempis, the 15th century monk, said these words, again, they're on the handout there for you. How great is human frailty, which is forever... How great is human frailty, which is forever prone to evil... Today we confess our sins and tomorrow commit the same sins again. This hour we resolve to be vigilant and the next act as if we had never resolved at all. That's Peter and that's me and my guess is it's you as well. I can think of times in this very church building when a colleague has preached the word of God and I've come away as determined as ever to serve Jesus wholeheartedly, committed to pray for his kingdom in Forward and Sheffield and then Monday morning comes and even as I settled down to pray, my mind is wandering and I've even fallen asleep. That was, second, that was Peter's second failing, which led to his third, which we saw two weeks ago and I've called it failure in conflict and we're over the page now. And looking at chapter 14, verses 43 to 52. It happened during the surprise night raid, a raid led, of course, by Judas with an entourage brandishing swords and clubs. And verse 47, one of those standing there, and John in his gospel tells us that this one was Peter. So Peter, verse 47, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Peter, in all his exuberant enthusiasm, went into battle. But being in a physical battle is not the way of Jesus and his followers. You see, Peter reached for the wrong weapon, as we heard a few weeks ago. He reached for the sword. And that failure came about because he hadn't used the right weapon just before. He hadn't been in prayer. My guess is that had he not fallen asleep in the garden, had he prayed then he probably wouldn't have reached for the sword when the uh, the entourage came. Again, I see myself in Peter, forgetting that the weapon of God's kingdom is the weapon of prayer and so often reaching for the weapons of this world, fighting back with words, tempted to fight by politically manoeuvring, trying to manipulate and manufacture things. That's not the way of God's kingdom. I love the words, in two corinthians chapter 10 i put the reference on the handout but i've not put the quotes here it is paul says by the humility and gentleness of christ i appeal to you and then he goes on though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world but at this point peter hadn't learned that and in the process he did great harm chopping off a man's ear Three times then we see Peter fail. There are a number of small steps, each one away from Jesus. First not listening to God's word, then not praying, which led to an ungodly reaction, which finally led to this series of denials in verses 66 to 72. Three failures, three times he failed to pray, and now three Denials, And the fourth point on the handout, failure to stand. And each one, each one of these denials is worse than the one before. The first one I've called dissociated. So verse 66, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. Uh, When she saw Peter warning himself, she looked closely at him. You also with the Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entrance. (laughs) Already it's a very far cry from Peter's bold declaration. I'll never disown you. I'll die for you. It was a cold night. There was a fire. And Peter was warming himself by it. The glow of the fire lit up Peter's face uh, as a servant girl walked by. End of verse 66, she came by. And then verse 67, uh, she said you also were with the nazarene you can picture the scene can't you she almost walked by peter almost remained anonymous but then the servant girl stopped and and looked closely at him the glow of the fire lighting up his face and then she said those words you're with him but verse 68 he denied it i don't know or understand what you're talking about he said and he went out into the entrance It's funny, there are some situations we find ourselves in where we don't want to be known to be a follower of Jesus. Times when we're fearful of what might happen if people do know we're Christians. The fear of uh, friends not quite accepting us. The fear at work that our prospects might be ruined. Or as it may have been here with Peter, the very real fear that the authorities might come crashing down on us. You see, the girl was only a servant girl, but verse 66 She was a servant of the high priest and the high priest was at that very moment cross-examining Jesus on trial. So yes, there was a very real and present danger for Peter. And so he dissociated himself from Jesus. And that was shown in his physical movement. End of verse 68, he went out into the entrance. I think it's very interesting that. You see, it was a cold night. The warm glow of the fire made life far more comfortable, but Peter would rather be in the cold than associated with Jesus. Dissociated, secondly, denied, verse 69. And when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. I don't know what uh, you make of this servant girl. You might call her tenacious, like a dog with a bone. She wasn't going to let go. You might like that in her. Then again, you might call her a pain in the neck and a troublemaker as she points at Peter and tells the others in the courtyard, this fellow is one of them. Well, whatever you make of the servant girl, Peter's cover has been blown. Now everyone in the courtyard is onto him. You know that Peter's going to blow it again now, don't you? because there's no question it's harder to stand up for jesus in a crowd if you won't tell a lowly servant girl that you're with jesus you won't stand for him in the crowd i found that myself if i don't stand for him one-to-one i won't stand for him in the bigger group i found that and peter discovered it that same day as well so verse 70 again he denied it dissociated denied and finally disowned verse 70 after a little while by now a bit of time has passed and maybe Peter thought the commotion had died down maybe he thought he was going to go to get away with it but no you can imagine the crowd as we read on looking at Peter as he stood a lonely figure by the entrance to the courtyard the crowd chatting maybe whispering to each other as they looked and and then eventually pointed at Peter and then verse 70 someone piped up after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the cock crowed the second time. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. It is a devastating moment. Peter called down curses upon himself Now, please don't underestimate how terrible this moment is. Remember, we've already seen Peter is on trial. And so, when it says that he swore to them, verse 71, it's as if he's under oath. He's swearing under oath. And what does he say? If I know that man Jesus, then may God curse me. Oh, my goodness me. He does know that man Jesus. And so, he is calling down curses upon himself to call down curses upon yourself, to disown Jesus and to be asked to curse, to be cursed for it. Well, that is to be spiritually destitute. It leaves us nowhere else to go. And so at this point, the spiritual collapse is complete. Peter's trial is done and he's been found wanting. He's been found guilty of high treason. And therefore he should face the death penalty. He has publicly declared that he is not on the side of the sovereign Lord. He's saying I'm on somebody else's side. Now, while I may not have called down curses upon myself in denial of being a Christian, there's more than enough here that condemns me, too. I am like Peter. So, what do we do with all this? Well, we can see the failures that led to this spiritual collapse. We can see that it doesn't happen overnight. And so we can take steps to avoid it, Uh, listen to and believe God's word and not think that we know better. Be committed to prayer and not fall asleep. Be resolved to reach for the right weapon when we're under attack. All of that will help us to courageously stand for Jesus when the pressure is on and we can do all those things and we should. But this is here not to tell us to try harder. This is here to show us how we all need Jesus. The passage ends with Peter, a broken man and weeping. It's a desperate thing to see a grown man broken and in tears. I was, I was with a man like that last week. It is a desperate sight, yet that's where Peter is. And left here, this is a desperate, desperate end. But it's not the end. It's the end of the passage, but it's not the end of the story, and it's not the end of the sermon. There's a fifth point a place for failures turn with me to the last chapter of mark's gospel mark chapter 16 just over a page and verse 7 verse 7 is the verse we need to focus on but i'll read from verse 6 in verse 6 and 7 are the words of the angel as the women who had followed jesus arrived at his tomb to find his body gone and an angel sitting there verse 6 don't be alarmed said the angel You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He's risen, he's not there. See the place where they have laid him. And then this is the verse, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. There's so much that's so wonderful in those words. But for us this morning, just note those two words and Peter. Verse seven, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. Do you hear the gracious words of God's messenger? Tell Peter, specifically Peter, tell Peter he's included as well. Peter's the man who's committed high treason. Peter's the man who deserves the death penalty. The last thing we've read of Peter in Mark's gospel is that he's a broken man weeping, but that's not the end of it. Here is the gracious assurance from God that Peter is included isn't it wonderful there's a way back even for those who deny jesus what amazing grace what are we seeing about mercy and grace of mine forgiven is my sin amazing grace there's a way back and there's a way back because of jesus death and resurrection you see that's when these words are said after jesus and died has died and been risen again then Peter is given these wonderful words of assurance. Peter should have faced the eternal death penalty, but the eternal son of God took the penalty for him. There's a way back because Jesus has died and is risen. Easter gives us a way back. Now this morning, if you're a Christian who's failed, join the club. Join the club, we've all failed. But if you feel you've if you feel you've failed so bad, look at Peter. There's a way back. And there's a way back especially for those who are broken inside. And there are some among us this morning who are broken, both men and women. Both men and women who've wept because of their sin, because of the mistakes they've made. You've denied Jesus with your words perhaps in your actions, definitely. You've done the most terrible things. You've hurt other people. You've denied the sovereign Lord. But that need not be the end of the story. Look at Peter. No, no, look at Jesus and look at the cross and remember the resurrection. There's a way back. And then there'll be some among us and you you feel you're out of place here. You've perhaps through this service been thinking to yourself, what am I doing among church people? Well, let me assure you, you'll be accepted here. You're sitting among failures. So you'll not be judged, you'll be accepted. But more importantly, you're in exactly the right place to meet Jesus and be accepted by him. And whether you feel it that acutely or not, whether you feel this, like this, whoever you are, Know today that you are a failure. But know that Jesus came for failures like you and me. He came because we cannot live a good enough life. He came because we are guilty of treason. He came to take the eternal death penalty upon himself. He came to die and rise again to give us life. He came to give us a fresh start and forevermore. That is the glorious message of Easter. Let's pray together. Well, in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer of confession that is on the service order. You might like to have that to hand. But before we do, let me leave a moment of silence for you to make your own personal confession uh, to God. There may have been just one or two things that have struck you as we've looked at God's word and you know that you, like me, need to own up to your failure and confess it to to Jesus and ask for a fresh start. well in the silence we'll have made our own personal confession it's good for us corporately as a church family to confess as well and so we'll do that using the words on the service order please join with me with the words in bold lord jesus christ we confess we failed you as did your disciples and we ask for your mercy and your help when we tempted to betray you for the sake of selfish gain Lord, forgive us and help us. When we are not faithful in prayer and will not share the pain of your suffering, Lord, forgive us and help us. When we allow the world to silence you and run away from those who abuse you, Lord, forgive us and help us. When we will not confess your name and fear the consequences of being known to belong to you, Lord, forgive us and help us. When we spurn your dying love and will not offer you the sacrifice of our lives, Lord, forgive us and help us. Cleanse us from our sins by your precious blood and graciously restore us to your service for your praise and glory. Amen.